Amen and amen. Church family, we are in the book of Mark this morning. Mark chapter 3, verse 20. So when you arrive there at Mark 3, verse 20, in your copy of God's Word, let me know you're tracking in there by honking a horn, making a noise. We got, we got a first person. There we go. Good stuff. We got quite a few of you still, still dragging behind. Let's get there together. Awesome, guys. The story we find this morning, church, it's a narrative. It's a story that begins, but the way Mark approaches this in his gospel account is it's a story that begins, but then it's interrupted with an addition of another story before the first story ever concludes. And so we're, the way we're approaching this today is we'll look at that first story, verses 20, 21, 31 to 35, and then next week we'll join one another online and finish that interior additional story from verses 22 to verse 30. So here's what the Word of God says. Jesus went home and the crowd gathered again so much that they were unable to even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize Jesus. For they were saying, their family, his family was saying, Jesus is out of his mind. Now go down to verse 31. As a result, his mother and Jesus' brothers came and they were waiting outside, standing there, sending to Jesus and calling him. And there was a crowd around Jesus and they said to him, Hey Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And Jesus answered them, Who are my mother and who are my brothers? And as he looked about those who sat around him, he said this, Here are my mother and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and she is my sister and she is my mother. Here we are, Mother's Day 2020. We're celebrating our moms and I just read to you a passage in which God Almighty Himself in Jesus presents this public humiliation of a mom. Happy Mother's Day. Oops. That's just what the Word of God says. So let's still, please continue. Let's see what God's really up to because He's not just leaving it at that. What we see in this narrative is someone is in need of an intervention. And at the outset, what we realize is Jesus' family, Mother Mary, Jesus' siblings have come under the impression that they need to carry out a physical intervention in the life of their brother, in the life of their son, Jesus. During this time of Jesus' ministry, He was being pursued by enemies. Religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they plotted and strategically come together that they might ruin Jesus. Ultimately, they were making accusations and building evidence and lies and false testimonies that Jesus might ultimately be put to death. And as a result, Jesus' mother and brothers saw this area of Jesus' life where Jesus had been preaching the gospel, where Jesus had been performing miracles of healing, where Jesus had been casting out demons, and what the family of Jesus decided on in the moment of this story as they saw that that which Jesus had committed his life to, everything that Jesus had been captivated toward and living for, 
had developed into an unhealthy dependency in which he was addicted to, and now he was in danger. Now his very life was threatened. And as a result, you see the story continue where when the family heard about this, they planned to go seize him. That verb there is the exact same verb used in Mark 14.46. What's happening in 14.46 is Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying and he's there with his disciples. And Judas comes on the scene, betrays Jesus, and he is arrested. He is seized. He is taken captive. He is overtaken. The, the guards and the soldiers take control of Jesus to remove him from that situation. And that's exactly what Jesus' mother and his siblings were strategizing to do during this time. They were going out to control him. They were going out to overtake him and remove him from this situation. All in the name of him being out of his mind. It's interesting here. Some at this point in the story, they would suggest, see here, there's the Virgin Mary. There's the perpetual Virgin Mary. There's the perfect Virgin Mary. There's the, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, who never died but ascended to heaven, which is all false. She was a virgin, but not a perpetual virgin. and um, She did not ascend to heaven, but she died just like you and I did. But some would suggest that at this point, Mary understood the full depth of what was going on. And so, in a disguised approach to protect Jesus and provide Him security, basically, they were going out preparing a, a, um, a case for insanity. They were going out to seize Jesus and say, He's mentally unstable. He is insane. No way you can bring charges against Him. He's out of His mind. Let me take Him away. But we see out of Jesus' reply to His very earthly mother, that's not the fullness of it. Although Mary and their family, although they may have been motivated by love, it was tragically misguided. Their actions to seize Jesus, for they were saying He is out of His mind, were demonstrating a misplaced trust in their own lives. To the point where the narrative continues in verse 31, and you can hear Mary saying it, Boys, go get your brother. He needs rest. He's crazy. The, the scenario unfolding before Mary, the very mother of Jesus, the Savior of the world, could not make sense of what was unfolding before her. So she took matters in her own hands rather than trusting in the will of God being carried out to maximize His glory and the use of His Son on earth. So it says, Jesus' mother came, Jesus' brothers came, and they were standing out there, and they were sending to Jesus and, and calling to Him. See, the crowds, the multitudes were so large, they could not physically get next to Jesus. Social distancing, not really. Social distancing nightmare, in fact. So they got there. You can imagine them talking to people. Hey, we're looking for Jesus. We've got to get a hold of him. We've got to get him out of here. Who are you? I'm Mary. I'm his mother. These are his brothers. We've got to listen. We've got to get him out of here. Where have you seen him last? He is mentally unstable. He needs rest. He is not well. So you imagine the telephone relay that went on. All right, hang out here, Mary. I'll, I'll go check. I, I saw him last over here. Hey, who's seen Jesus? Where is he? His mother's looking for him. And it finally gets to this crowd that's gathered around Jesus. And they speak to Jesus. They relay this message. And he, they say, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers, they're outside. And they're seeking you. And 
I know it doesn't say it here in verse 32, but I've got to imagine that at this point they, they add something else. Hey, Jesus, they're outside seeking you. And you know what your mom's saying, man? Your mom's saying you're crazy. Your mom and brothers are seeking you, and they're saying you're out of your mind. What is that all about, Jesus? And then we get this response in verses 33, 34, and 35. The holy, perfect, from eternity past to eternity future, our Lord and Savior answers them, and he says, who's my mother? Who's my brothers? And then he made eye contact. He looked about those sitting around him, and he clearly, pointedly said, here are my mother. Here are my brothers. Here is my family. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother. She is my sister. She is my mother. As I walk through this passage, I don't, I don't know if this brings up some, some past memories of struggling growing up, but for me, I sure wish this was my life verse in first grade Sunday school. Let me tell you something here. First grade Sunday school, my twin brother and I, we were holy terrors to our Sunday school teacher. I don't know why we chose that. She was such a sweet lady. But we were holy terrors. And so what happened often, this teacher, for whatever reason, felt the need to excuse herself from our classroom and go down the hall and interrupt my daddy and mama's Sunday school classroom. To get my daddy to bring him down the hall and routinely, I know that's hard to imagine, but routinely, she would bring my daddy outside the door of our classroom. She would come back in and she would say, Adam and Cole, that's what they called me back then, Adam and Cole, your daddy's outside and he's seeking you. How I wish I would have learned verses 33 to 35 and say, who's my daddy? That ain't my daddy. These people are my family. Whoever does the will of God, thanks but no thanks. I wish I had that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that we need to start teaching that at Awana. That would be a good thing for our kiddos. Sorry, first grade life group leaders. That's going to cause problems for you. But what's really going on here? Think about the culture of the family during this time. The family on earth was everything. I know it's significant here. I know we've had some renewed commitments and appreciations during this bizarre season. But during the New Testament, it was all the more profound. During that culture, it was within your family unit that you found your identity. It was in your family unit that you had a reputation. It was in your family unit that you had any sense of security. And then also within that family unit, there were, there were codes of operations that you upheld. Loyalty to your family above all else. And out of that loyalty, you would never do anything to hurt your family. You would never do anything to bring shame to your family. And then out of family units, there was always a collection of families within a community known to the Jews even in Israel today as a kibbutz. Say kibbutz for me as loud as you can. Kibbutz. There you go. You know Hebrew, church. Collection of families who live by the same code of loyalty. We do nothing to harm this community of families. We do nothing to bring shame to this community of families and ultimately carrying out as an entire nation of Israelites where their identity, their reputation, their security was found and maintained. And here, Jesus' earthly family and his mother Mary and his brothers approach him in such a public display. Gives instruction out of her role as earthly mother. And our Lord and Savior does not mince words. There's no other way to understand this, but he directly opposes as if he is spitting on that code of loyalty as far as earthly families are concerned. 
And at this point in the story, I don't know, maybe, maybe Mary and the siblings were right. Maybe Jesus is in need of an intervention. Maybe, maybe he has gone a little too far. Maybe enough truly is enough. Maybe he does need some rest. Just come home. But in Jesus' response, he offers this reminder. For as significant as these earthly relationships are, there is this greater family of God that we're all called to. And whether it's a family earthly relationship or an earthly resource, nothing supersedes that which God has afforded, inviting you into the family of God and to be about carrying out the Father's will for your lives. So Jesus says, Amen to that. Absolutely. He says, Here are my brothers and my sisters and my mothers, those who do the will of God. What happened to Mary? I mean, she'd seen so so much divine intervention in her life. She was still so young at this point, but she birthed, physically birthed the Savior. She knew when Jesus was in her womb, conceived by the Holy Spirit, she knew, as confirmed by the angels and her cousin, that she was carrying Messiah. She gave her life to that. She, she welcomed shame and stayed the course in carrying out the Father's will. But here, when she saw her earthly son in Jesus in danger of being threatened, she had the choice to take matters in her own hand in a feeble attempt a futile attempt to make something out of it or to continue with her eyes on the Lord and the will of the Father and trust that if it's His will, then He will take care of it. She chose then, in that moment, and by way of instructing her other boys to go get her son, she compromised a moment in her life where God could have maximized His glory through her and her willingness to be used according to His will rather than their earthly desires. Don't get me wrong, Jesus loved His mother. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to make light of this situation. I'm thinking about my four kids. I'm thinking about the mother of my kids, my, my smoking hot bride who is over here. Give me a honk, honey. I'm going I'm to wait till you honk the horn. Yes, I love you too. I can't imagine if something was threatening their own lives and the temptation I would have if the will of the Father was to let things progress to such a dire situation, an overwhelming circumstance that I couldn't make sense of. I can only imagine the temptation that would come my way in being tempted to take things in my own hands rather than keeping my eyes on God even if I knew not what was even going on. So interestingly enough, where the family of Jesus attempted to arrive there and bring intervention in Jesus' life, what actually happened was when they arrived, they realized Jesus had ready an intervention for them. Jesus reminded them that for as significant as our earthly family is, for as much as I deeply love you and, and I, I hate seeing you struggle and suffer as a result of me choosing my father's will over my earthly mother's will, by way of reminder, let me tell you, woman, my mother, Mary, and my brothers, my siblings, it doesn't matter what may befall me. It doesn't matter the course ahead. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. 
or how it may seem like it makes sense or if I'm completely overwhelmed. It's in the will of God the Father and that's what I will and always be about. As I consider this narrative, I can't help but think about today. 60 days into a global pandemic. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Believe you me, yes, there is corruption within governments and institutions. I'm not naive, okay? Yeah, I knew that would get you revved up, yeah. But at the same time, we've got a testimony to preserve as well. And that's why we're not going back into the building until June 7th, because I want us to be on the news for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons, because I've got a resurrected Savior I'm representing in the hopes of every man, woman, and child in Katy coming to salvation. But during this time, we are just making things up. Let me be real honest with you. I've never been a senior pastor during a global pandemic. Can you believe that? I mean, I'm almost 35. Surely I would have seen that, or surely I would have taken a seminary course. No. We're making things up as we go. But the daily choice on every 24-hour cycle before me as your shepherd is do I fully trust the will of God and allow Him to receive maximized glory or do I attempt in my finite capacity to take things in my own hands just so I can feel like I've got control when I know the ultimate result will be destruction and compromising a maximum usefulness of me for the glory of my Heavenly Father. And although I cannot fully empathize with a lot of the walks of life that you find yourselves in today, I, I cannot fully empathize with some of you, many of you who have lost your jobs. I mean, I'm, it's Sunday, it's Mother's Day, I'm working. But man, my heart aches for you. I continue to pray for you. But the choice you have is the same choice I have. Every day, with the unfolding and increasing confusion and anxieties, the, the fear, the uncertainties, you have the choice, based on what you see unfolding before you, to rush and to try to take a hold of it in your own strength and make something out of it on your own, or you have the opportunity a divine opportunity from the realms of heaven, from the maker of heaven and earth himself, to trust that whatever his will is for your life, as part of the family of God, being about his will is most esteemed. Being about his calling on your life is most preferred. I don't know exactly what that looks like for you. I've sent out some different email updates over the last couple weeks. I know a major part of that is on the financial side. Some of you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from, and the temptation is to hold on to as much money as you possibly can as if you can provide better benefit with it than God can. Don't get me wrong, I know there's many of you who you want to give large amounts, but you just can't during this season. But we're all called to give something, trusting and knowing that within God our Father's will for our lives, he always does more and provides greater blessing in our lives with what we have remaining after we offer a sacrifice to Him rather than what we can ever do holding tightly to our 100%. So this morning, I just want to, by way of the authority of Scripture, 
I want to sincerely, I want to graciously, I want to unapologetically remind you of that. What does your carrying out the will of God in your life look like today? As a member of the family of God, for as significant as your earthly families are, they pale in comparison to the eternal worth of your membership in God's family. How are you continuing to be about His will, especially when the chaos around you continues to unfold? And some of you here today, you find yourself here this morning and maybe you just came to to appease a mother in your life. But the God of heaven and earth has drawn you here because He wants to intervene on your behalf. You arriving in this place, the Lord of all creation wants to intervene on your behalf. He wants to offer you an invitation to be part of His eternal family. Every one of us as members of the human race are in need of a Savior. And God loves us so much that He sent God the Son, Jesus who lived a perfect life, to then die a death on a cross that you and I deserved as a result of our sin. And He was buried, and on the third day, up from the grave He arose. Amen? And this morning, He has you here. And He is inviting you to profess faith on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you might be welcomed into His family and then be about His will for your life that is abundant, that is a blessing, that is fulfilling, that is on purpose for things more than you could ever imagine or hope for in any career or other thing that this earth provides you. In just a moment, we're going to sing a closing song. And you are invited to respond to the God who loves you and desires to intercede and intervene on your behalf. Serious about my cell phone number on that program, guys. Maybe you're a guest with us and you have no idea what it looks like to be a part of the family of God. He has brought you here today to get in touch with me that I might have the utmost privilege of showing you what those next steps look like. Don't delay. Text me. Let's get together. I've got other Starbucks gift cards. I'll buy you coffee. And your life will be forever changed and repurposed unlike you could ever imagine. Let's pray.